Um, today we head to uh, thinking about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That might be the translation that's more familiar uh, to many of you as we consider uh, the Lord's Prayer. And we've been running through the Lord's Prayer, looking at each phrase, considering, you know, what, what does this phrase mean not only for our prayer life, but what does it mean for the way we live? And, and we've been saying if we sincerely pray uh, that we want God's name to be hallowed and, and we want his kingdom to come and we want his will to be done, then that should be followed by living, which which does those things. If we sincerely pray it, then we should live in ways where, where God's name is honored and live in ways which, which bring his kingdom more fully realized here on earth and to live in ways where we will take our own will and, and push that to the side and push that to the background and allow his will to, to define how we live our life. And then last week we transitioned it kind of into a, uh, a turn of, of the, the, the uh, requests that are we and us, right? Uh, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins or our debts, and then lead us not into temptation. As we think about forgive us our debts, there's that word debt. And I don't know about you, but I... I I know a little bit about that word debt, and we experience that word debt perhaps maybe not on a daily basis, but maybe a, a yearly basis, or, or maybe over the course of 10 years as you're paying off student loans, right, or sometimes longer than that. Debt is kind of one of these things that we see that is almost something that I don't know if you can get through life without incurring debt anymore. Some debt comes in the form of like car loans. Has anyone seen used car prices lately? Right? Car loans that you you say, I'm going to buy this car and pay X for so many years. Or or it comes in the form of mortgages and and home loans as you, you take on that debt saying you will buy that house for a certain price and then faithfully and maybe willingly send that check for 30 years every month to one day pay off that debt and call that house your own. And student debt, like I mentioned before, the average student today uh, when it might be not students in college, it could be those who are out of college already have, on average, $40,000 worth of debt. And oftentimes, so this debt is always looked at as something, hopefully, that you can pay back, right? Based on the, the income that you have, that, that you can faithfully and willingly pay for the debt over the course of time that that you can call your education fully paid for and your own, that you can call that car you drive yours and and yours alone, that you can call that house a home that is fully yours. Debt. But some debt 
some debt isn't that easy, you can pay it off type of debt. I think of, of something, the United States government debt. $29 trillion last time I checked. Oh, it's 30. Every day there's this debt that the government has that, that keeps increasing. I thought about putting a screen up that would show it increasing in debt the entire time the sermon was going on, but I thought that might be a little distracting or saddening, one of the two. But there's this debt that seems almost unimaginable. $30 trillion. Is anyone here a trillionaire that can pay that off? If you are, uh, talk to me. I got a few projects at church we could do, carpet. Shelly would love to have the coffee stains out of there. Trillion dollars. I, I cannot even imagine that. And that's the kind of debt that we're going to talk about today. This crazy number, this crazy amount of debt that someone has incurred uh, and owes the king. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18. That's going to be page 799 in the Bibles in the, the seats. If any of you kids have your student Bible, that will be page 1000. 198, and we'll hear this story starting at verse 21. Hear these words. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or maybe your translation says talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and, and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and uh, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt back. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. 
This all starts, this whole story starts with a question, a question from Peter. I got this. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? This is a question that rabbis would kind of be used to answering. They they not only would teach their disciples how to pray, but they would teach their disciples what forgiveness looks like. And, And here we have Peter who who says up to seven times. And Peter saying seven times, he actually thought that he was being very generous and and very forgiving. Because not all rabbis would teach seven times. There would would be opportunities to to teach other times. And and so the rabbis, the oral tradition, which is located in what's called the, the Mishnah, it's the first great work of kind of, uh, what the, the Jewish rabbis would teach, it would say this. If a man commits a transgression, the first, the second, and third time he's forgiven, but the fourth time he is not. So Peter thinks, man, seven. That's way more than these other rabbis say. That's so generous. And yet Jesus takes that idea of mercy, that idea of generosity, that idea of grace, and takes it even a step further. He says, no, not just seven times, but I tell you, 77 times, or some translations are like 70 times seven, or or something like that. And and the idea that Jesus is getting at is, is don't count. Don't don't count the number of times that that you need to forgive your brother and sister for for what they've done. Essentially, any time that forgiveness is needed, any time that you have the opportunity to to forgive someone for, for what they've done against you, any time they are genuinely sorry for for what they've done, you never withhold forgiveness, but you freely give that forgiveness every single time. You don't, you don't hold it back. And then Jesus goes and tells this story to illustrate his point. Talking about a king settling all of, of the accounts, all of the debts with, with all of the servants in his his kingdom. And he, and he comes to this one man who, who comes in and he owes 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. Just one of those talents is 20 years worth of wages. One talent is 20 years worth of wages and he owes 10 thousand of them, right? And so I'm not a math major here, but 20 times 10,000, I think that ends up being 20,000 years worth of wages. Mike, you're the math guy, is that right? Yeah, he said whatever, so I'm great. Pastor math, good, we'll go with it. Uh, 20,000 or 200,000 years worth of wages, 
even if you took the, uh, the uh, minimum wage you can make in Michigan, it ends up being a number that's in the trillions of dollars. This isn't a, I bought a house a little bit out of my reach. This isn't, I'm living a little bit out of my means. This isn't, I shouldn't have bought that car because now I can't afford it because there's no way this servant can pay back 200,000 years worth of wages. It's a crazy number. It, it's, it's not a number that he can say, well, if I work every day 12 hours a day and get all the overtime possible and, and do that, if I am so efficient and work 12 hours a day, if I get a raise and work 12 hours a day, if I go get my doctorate and work 12 hours a day, you're not going to get there. He can't pay it back, and yet, even though he can't pay it back, he gets down upon his knees in front of the king and begs for mercy. Please, don't, don't sell my family and my kids into indentured servitude. Please, don't, don't sell all the things that I have, which perhaps maybe wasn't even much. Please, don't throw me in prison. I will pay you back everything that I owe you. In our minds, we know they can't do that. Maybe it's like the creditors of the U.S. debt saying, calling up President Biden or, or going to the Senate, something like that, and saying, all right, December 1, 2022, you're going to have to pay all that $30 trillion back. Here, us sitting here, we would know that there's no way that that can happen. It doesn't matter if all the senators get on their knees and all the, the uh, representatives do. It doesn't matter if they don't get paid. It doesn't matter if the president doesn't get paid. It probably wouldn't even matter much if they raised taxes. It wouldn't be enough to pay off the debt. But here in this story, the king, the king is, is moved with compassion. The scripture says he's moved with pity towards the man. And, and he says, you're forgiven. No indentured servitude required, no jail time needed, no no loan payment plan created, just immense and generous forgiveness for a debt that he would have never been able to pay back. The king was going to do nothing to recoup some of his losses from this. Instead, he was just going to generously offer forgiveness that was not deserved. But then this man leaves, and he, and he finds another fellow servant of his. And he says, 
pay me back what you owe me. He didn't just say it. He actually starts choking the man. Pay me back what you owe me. And, and the man order, uh, owed him pocket change, essentially, for what he was forgiven. This man was forgiven trillions of dollars, and yet he's choking a man out over $10,000. Having no mercy, having no pity, having no empathy, even though he himself was in that situation just a moment ago. And so he throws the man in prison until he can pay back the debt. His, his fellow servants saw what happened. And, and they, they felt the disconnect within their beings, the, within their souls. They felt that what was happened had happened is wrong. This man was, was forgiven much, and yet now he's unwilling to forgive little. So, so they, they went to the king, and they said, King, you remember that servant that, that you forgave that trillion-dollar debt? Well, he went on to live a life of unforgiveness, throwing another servant in prison for some pocket change. So the king calls that servant back in. Talks to him like, if I forgave you a lot, wouldn't, wouldn't you think you should live out that genuine forgiveness in, in the course of your life as well? But you chose not to. You're not, you're not a faithful servant. You're a, you're a wicked servant. And he threw him in prison. He gave him to the jailers to have him tortured, and he'd be there. He'd be there until he could pay it off, which we know he couldn't pay it off. There's no way he's going to pay off, so he's going to die in jail. He'll be there for the rest of his life. It's kind of a difficult story. And the thing that's interesting about it is what is more comfortable for us would have been a significant discomfort for the people hearing the story. To the people Jesus told this story to, they would have been uncomfortable with this generous forgiveness. It would, it would be radical. It wouldn't be something that, that would be normal to them. What would have been normal to them is the people getting what they deserve. You can't pay the debt back, you go to prison. What you're doing, what you do, you're doing, you earn it, and you get your lot in life. But I think the thing that is more difficult for us is that part. That part that says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Or there's actually a passage uh, shortly after the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. Oh, yeah, I have it up here. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive 
your sin. When we hear this commentary on top of forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we realize we're not talking about money anymore. We're talking about some other type of debt that is incurred. And actually the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, that, that teaching tool that we often use that's in question and answer form, in answer to question number 13 says this, we cannot pay this debt on our own. And just like the government debt, we actually increase our debt every day if we had that debt on the screen. Just like the debt of the U.S. government would, would keep going up dollar by dollar, so too would the debt that we incur from how we sin against the Lord and our brothers by our thoughts, by our words, and, and by our actions by those things that we, we know we do and, and even those things that we, we don't know we do. And yet, even though there's this unimaginable debt that we have incurred, we're not the ones that end up paying it off. There's that song that says, Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. We remember that it was, it was Jesus who came to this world with a specific purpose to restore our relationship with God. And, and for that to happen, he needed to, to rid our lives of this debt. God is, is a God of justice and he needs payment for what has happened in the world. And and he knows that we can't do it on our own, so instead he sent Jesus. Jesus, the one who could fully stand in our place because he is human. He sent Jesus, the one who could not only stand in our place because he was human, but he could pay all the debt experiencing the wrath of God because he is divine. Because he himself is God. And, and he pays it. He takes it all upon himself. The, the torture and the jail time that the servant got, that's not our lot in life because Jesus himself took upon the torture and the jail time, so to speak, as he was laid in the tomb. But that's not... That's not where he stayed. Instead, he continued his work in the glory of the resurrection. That way, we would not live in, in eternity in difficulty and in jail, but live in eternity with him, the one who has forgiven us and causes us the ability to live with that king to live alongside of him, to, to worship him for his graciousness, for his, his mercy, to worship him for the way that he could work to find justice in this situation which was so difficult. And then calling us to live a life that exemplifies 
those things. Recognition of, of Christ taking upon our sin, but also forgiving others when they, when they have debts, when they sin against us. Earlier we read the catechism regarding forgive us our debts, and it said this, because of Christ's blood, because of the work that, that, that Christ did, that fully human and fully God person, do not hold against us, poor sinners that we are, any of the sins we do, any of the, the ones that have happened in the past or the ones that will happen in the future or the evil which constantly clings to us. Forgive us. Oh, I think I have this on the screen too. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidenced by your grace in us to forgive our neighbors. If we truly, if we truly desire God's kingdom to come on the earth, if, if we truly desire God's will to be done on earth just as it is in heaven, then we have to stop the debt tracking in our mind. We have to stop saying to a friend or a brother and sister, you're forgiven, but then make mental note, they owe me. Make, make mental note, they have, they have a debt. I've said, I've said they're forgiven, but I'm only giving them some watered-down version of forgiveness. I'm only going to give them the forgiveness on the outside because that looks good, but internally I'm going I'm to stew on it. There's, there's no place for this, this low version of forgiveness in God's kingdom. That's not what God has for us. God doesn't say, Steve, you're forgiven you're forgiven for the, the anger that you have. Steve, you're, you're forgiven for that pen that you stole from that one teacher back in third grade. You're, you're forgiven for how much you speed when you drive. You're forgiven for all, the, you know, all these things. And, and he doesn't say, I got, I got a mental note of that in, in my head because you're really not forgiven for it. He, he doesn't give this this fake sense of forgiveness. Instead, he gives the truest form of genuine forgiveness where he remembers our sins no more. Where he, this is beautiful imagery knowing there's snow outside, where, where he washes us as white as snow we're not talking about the snow that's on the side of the street or the snow that's out back that your dog was in. We're not talking about snow like that. We're talking about pure cleansing that comes from God. Forgive us our debts. And he says, yes, it's done. And then our life is to go on to forgive the debts of our brothers. We're not debt brokers. We're forgiveness givers. We go throughout our life offering a genuine forgiveness. Giving 
not people what they deserve, but giving them what they don't deserve because we've been given what we don't deserve. We live lives as, I don't remember who said it, forgiven forgivers. People who have experienced that grace and will stop at nothing to give that grace out to those we meet. Here's a, a beautiful statement about forgiveness. When we, when we think about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we can think of something um, theologian John Calvin wrote in his Geneva Catechism. When we think of forgive us our debts, we can remember that, as John Calvin wrote, it pleases God to forgive our sins. And because it pleases God to forgive our sins, then it should please us to forgive the debts of our brothers and sisters. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, it is our true desire that your genuine forgiveness would take hold in our heart. That you wouldn't let us be debt brokers but instead that you would cause us to be forgiven forgivers. Ones who would, would stop at nothing just as Christ did to, to bring forgiveness and grace into the lives of other, other individuals, even if they don't deserve it. Because we in our own life didn't deserve it, and yet you, before we could do anything, offered us forgiveness by the power of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.